The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 110 God Magnifies Solomon In the early days of King Solomon's reign, one of his first decisions as king came back to haunt him. One day, Adonijah came to Bathsheba, the queen mother. Adonijah had tried to become king before, but it had not worked out as he planned. Now, he wanted to marry Abishag, the young woman who had nursed David in his last days. Knowing Solomon would not listen to him if he came with the request, the prince cleverly went to Bathsheba. Solomon's mother heard Adonijah's plea and agreed to go to Solomon on his behalf. When Bathsheba took Adonijah's request to Solomon, he quickly discerned the beginnings of a plot against the throne. Why are you asking this? Solomon angrily asked. Adonijah has gone too far this time. He may as well have asked for the whole kingdom. I told him what would happen if he tried to take the throne again. By asking for Abishag, he has sealed his own fate. He will be executed today. Solomon swiftly gave the order for Adonijah's execution. Benaniah, head of the palace guard, carried it out immediately. The young king now had others to deal with. Many of Adonijah's supporters still lived, including Abiathar the priest. Abiathar had remained loyal to David almost his entire life, but he turned from David to follow Adonijah's rebellion just before the king died. Shortly after Adonijah's execution, Solomon called Abiathar into the throne room. Abiathar stood before the king. Sweat dotted his upper lip and shone on his pale face. He knew what had happened to Adonijah and he was concerned he would share the same fate. You supported my father through his whole life, said Solomon, but you turned against him at the end by supporting my brother's claim to the throne. You knew that God had set my father on the throne. You knew I was next in line. You are worthy of death. Abiathar opened his mouth to defend himself, but the young king went on. Your treason is apparent, but I won't kill you. You were loyal to my father for many years, supporting him through every hardship. In recognition of this, I will spare your life. Go back to your home in Anathoth, work your fields, and live out your days there. From now on, you will not be a priest in the tabernacle. Abiathar was a descendant of Eli. 
During Samuel's youth, God prophesied that the priesthood would be taken from Eli's descendants. When Solomon removed Abiathar as priest, this prophecy was fulfilled. The priesthood never returned to Eli's descendants. Instead, Solomon appointed Zadok as chief priest. Hearing of Solomon's actions against Adonijah and Abiathar, Joab feared for his life. He rushed to the temple and caught hold of the altar. Just as Adonijah had done, Solomon sent Benaniah after him. Benaniah approached the altar and the desperate general. King Solomon summons you. Joab, come with me and we will meet him. Joab refused. I know what he will say, Benaniah. If he is going to have me killed, I would have it take place right here. Benaniah returned to the king with Joab's words. Solomon nodded. If that is what he wishes, so be it. Execute him there at the altar. Then make sure he is taken away and buried on his property. Maybe his death will cleanse some of the blood from my father's legacy. Thus, the life of David's army commander Joab ended. He had been a tremendous general, but also a murderer of innocent men. In his place, Solomon appointed Benaniah. Next on the list of things David had told Solomon to take care of was Shimei, the Benjamite, who had cursed David on his way out of Jerusalem during Absalom's rebellion. Solomon called him before the throne. You know what you did against my father during the time of Absalom, he said to Shimei. From now on, you will make your home here in Jerusalem. If you leave the city, you will condemn yourself to death. Is this clear? Perfectly, responded Shimei, relieved that he was not to be executed. Thank you for your mercy. I will do as you say. He did not. Three years later, when two of his servants ran away to Gath, Shimei gathered some of his other servants and went to retrieve them. When he returned to Jerusalem, word of his deed reached Solomon. Shimei was finally executed, not just for leaving Jerusalem, but for his earlier treason. Solomon had a serious problem that would cause him to stumble later in life. Women. Proverbs 31 records the wise words of his mother, who advised him, Give not your strength unto women. She likely saw his weakness could destroy him. This problem surfaced early in his reign when he married an Egyptian princess. God did not approve of marriage between Israel and the kingdoms around them. He did not want Israel to turn away to the pagan gods of the other nations. Intermarriage made it much more likely that this would happen. Still, Solomon's rule began strongly. Solomon loved God and wanted to follow in his father's footsteps. 
At this time, since the temple was not yet constructed, the Israelites were making sacrifices on various altars around the nation. Solomon chose the most prominent of these in Gibeon, where the tabernacle was situated to hold a great celebration. Many people came together there to sacrifice and praise God. That night, after Solomon went to bed, he had a vision from God. You have walked in the ways that David your father showed you and followed my law. Ask me what I should give you, and I will give you a gift. You have given so much to my father and me already. God, what more can I ask of you? You have even blessed my father with the honor of having a son to sit on his throne. You've given me the task of leading and guiding your people, and I do not feel adequate to do it. Really, I am but a little child. I don't know how to do anything the right way on my own. Please give me wisdom that it might be easier for me to judge the people you have chosen who are so great and so numerous. Give me an understanding heart so they can receive proper judgment and guidance. It must come from you, for what man can provide right judgment for such a great people? God was well pleased by Solomon's request. You could have asked me for anything, but you asked for wisdom so you could rule righteously over my chosen nation. Because you have asked this, I will give you wisdom more than any man before or after you. In addition, because you did not ask for riches, honor, long life, or anything selfish, I will give you all those things as well. If you walk according to my way, I will also give you a long life. Upon waking, Solomon thought about his dream. He knew it was a vision from God. He was so grateful for God's blessings that when he returned to Jerusalem, he proclaimed a special feast for everyone who worked under him in the government and also his servants. He also gave more offerings to God in thanks for the gift of wisdom. Solomon's wisdom quickly became apparent to both Israel and the surrounding nations. One incident illustrates this perhaps more than any other. Two women of lower character came before the king with the child. Both claimed the child as her own. One had given birth, then three days later, the other woman had as well. 
This other woman who I share a house with rolled over onto her baby in her sleep and accidentally smothered it, said the woman whose child was born first. When she found it dead in the middle of the night, she stole my son and put the dead child next to me. I found the dead baby in the morning when I rose to nurse him, but it was not my son. She's lying, yelled the second woman. The child you see before you is mine. She smothered the child herself. You're the lying one, said the first woman. Your son is dead, but mine is here with us. The women glared at each other in front of the throne. Solomon looked at them for a moment, then called a guard over. Bring me a sword, he said. When the guard returned with the sword, Solomon made his judgment. Cut this child in half and give each woman half. That seems to be the fairest decision, he proclaimed. One of the women prostrated herself before the king in desperation. Please, my king, do not do this. Give her the child. Don't kill it. The king's word is fair, declared the other woman. Let it be done. Solomon looked back to the first woman who was pleading for the child's life. Give her the child, he said to the god. She did not want you to harm it. She is the mother. This incident caused many to marvel and to recognize that their new king had been endued with unusual depth of wisdom by God. Solomon's reputation as a wise and fair king grew and spread even beyond Israel. The Israelites could discern that Solomon was receiving divine favor. Besides giving Solomon great wisdom, just as he had promised, God provided him with tremendous riches and honor. He also blessed the kingdom of Israel exceedingly extending its borders and sphere of influence from Egypt and the Mediterranean on the west to the Euphrates River on the east and north. The king's headquarters became a place of lively activity. Simply to feed everyone on the royal grounds for just one day took 240 bushels of flour, 480 bushels of meal, 10 fattened oxen, 20 oxen that had been pastured, and 100 sheep and goats. An abundance of deer and fowl were added to this. The Bible doesn't say how many people were fed by all this food, but it must have been a great number. This massive staff resided over a period of unparalleled prosperity and peace for Israel. All throughout the nation, people enjoyed abundance, that actually foreshadowed the utopian conditions of the world tomorrow under Jesus Christ's rulership. God didn't want Israel to use cavalry or chariots in battle. He wanted them to trust him for deliverance. So Israel actually lagged behind its neighbors in military technology. Despite God's instruction, 
Solomon built a huge stable of war horses. Many wise men from other cultures were known for their knowledge, but Solomon eclipsed them all. Until Solomon, the world looked to the scholars and religious leaders in Egypt and Babylon. Solomon's gift of wisdom from God set him apart from all of those wise men. He used divine wisdom and revelation as the foundation for his observations, experimentation, and reasoning. He became well-read and learned in many different disciplines. The arts also flourished under Solomon. He wrote a tremendous amount of proverbs and songs only a portion of which were recorded for us in the Bible. Israel became a center for education and known as a repository of truth. Ambassadors and rulers from many different nations came to Solomon for advice. They tested his wisdom and sought his counsel. Solomon was happy to share God's instruction. This was God's purpose for Israel after all. Just as he had told the nation back during the days of Moses, God is the supreme educator. Through Solomon, he elevated his nation's reputation so it could influence and be an example to other nations. God wanted the whole world to see the results and blessings that come from living his way of life. In the near future, when Jesus Christ returns to earth, an even greater knowledge explosion will occur. The world will look to Israel again for leadership. Think about how exciting it will be when the world can be given an education based upon the proper foundation. God's Revealed Law Under Solomon, the nation of Israel reached its pinnacle in terms of geographic extent and national influence. When God makes a promise, he backs it up. This period of Israel's history provides astounding proof of just how magnificent the blessings God supplies can be. To be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the resources tab at pcg.church.